Let's try down there a bit more. How are we doing? Good. Hey, it's great to see you this, uh, wow, Queen's birthday weekend. Who's looking forward to a day off tomorrow? Who, who's not quite so lucky to get a day off tomorrow? Anyone? No? Everyone gets a day off tomorrow? Awesome. Good news. Hey, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, my name's Seth, and I'm the senior pastor here at Shurilam Church, and um, it's so great to have you with us, and we're pleased that you uh, join us. We always uh, love to hang out with, with people, so do hang around after the service and grab a uh, cup of tea and a coffee and hang out with uh, some of the team. Uh, this morning... Uh, we're, we're, what are we, two-thirds of the way through our 21 days of prayer and fasting? Uh, how's that going? Everyone doing well? Any, anyone come across any challenges? I've come across a few challenges in seeking God. Uh, but then, and man, have I got the message for you, if that's you today. Uh, but can I just say, firstly, um, well done. Uh, for, for your faithfulness in seeking God. Uh, well done for, for uh, sticking it out over the last two weeks, and I, I do hope that uh, you've been able to just draw closer to God and that you've uh, already started to hear God a little bit more and a little bit differently in your life and already started to see the hand of God at work. Because isn't that the whole point in our Christian life? To see the Holy Spirit using us to touch the lives of others, to see the Holy Spirit using us to minister and to bring life in a world that is getting darker and darker and darker. And so, uh, again, uh, even when we get to the end of our 21 days of prayer this Saturday, uh, feel free to keep going on fasting. As I mentioned in part one, uh, prayer and fasting is not something that we just do uh, for 21 days in the year, but at any time in your life when you need to seek God for direction, when you need to seek God for breakthrough, uh, it is a commitment that you can make in your own personal life uh, to, to kind of take a break from something that uh, is a sacrifice in order to um, give you the, the sense of uh, just having a focus on God. So let's, uh, let's just begin this morning uh, and pray for uh, the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God, that your Holy Spirit is powerful, that you send him, Father, as we uh, pray, uh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for every uh, member of Shore Elam Church, those who are here and those who are away. Father, we thank you for, uh, Lord, just the sacrifices they're made in fasting and for the prayers that they have. Lord, we pray for breakthrough, Father, in every individual's life. Uh, Father God, we believe you are a God of breakthrough. You're the God of the impossible. You're the God who can see to it, and you are the God of promise, the God of yes and amen. And so, Father God, we just lift up every prayer that has been prayed over the last uh, 10 days, uh, 14 days, Father, and ask, Lord, that you'll just uh, move mightily for your people. Father God, strengthen us and protect us, as we head into this last week of uh, prayer and fasting, and Father God, speak to us this morning through your word uh, and through this message. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will take what I share, Father, and again, just multiply it uh, into every individual heart that we would receive from your Holy Spirit, your word, and your will for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. You know, many people kind of walk through life and, uh, you know, they walk through life 
believing that because they're, they're not in any sort of a conflict, they, they walk through life believing that because they're not in any sort of fight with anyone, uh, because they're good people and they do good things, and, and because they're able to avoid addressing uh, big issues that need to be addressed in their life or getting into uh, individual battles, they, they kind of start to believe that they don't have any enemies. Ever met someone like that who's everyone's friend? They kind of don't have anybody who's against them. Uh, and if ever conflict comes up, they're the ones who are always kind of bending uh, to kind of make things work. You know, some, some Christians may even... Uh, because we go to church on Sunday and we give uh, a tithe and we give an offering and we volunteer and uh, we do all these things that are good, we can start to believe that we don't have an enemy that is against us. But the truth is that we do. And he's not only an enemy to the Christians, he's an enemy to those who don't know Christ. There is an enemy who is completely against the things of God and who is completely against life. He's against you fulfilling your purpose in Christ. He's against you seeing the victories in your life through Christ. And if we're unable to recognize him uh, in our lives, if we're, uh, if we're just kind of walking around trying to avoid uh, the work that he's doing around our lives, then the enemy has us right where he wants us sitting idle as he works undetected to destroy life, to destroy your life, to destroy my life, to destroy every life, a life that was designed to be filled with the love, the grace, and the joy of God. You know, I chose this topic this morning because the enemy loves to attack when we're vulnerable. He loves to attack when we're weak. And so I wanted uh, to remind us of the battle that we're in and to share some truths as, uh, this morning to hopefully encourage you and also to equip you as you walk through your life with Christ and as you walk into the last seven days of your prayer and fasting. Has anyone got to stay... 11, 12, 13, and thought, man, I've gone far enough. <laughs> that, man, that's, that's, that's more than I've done. Without that thing, you know, maybe, maybe I can just stop. Maybe I can just quit now. You know, in Matthew 4, verses 1 to 4, we read, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, and we all know he is, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now Jesus was God in the flesh, fully God, fully man, who experienced every feeling, every emotion that we have, that we have, after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, was probably a little bit weak, 
was probably a little bit lacking in energy in his earthly body. I think we can all understand that much. You know, it tells us in this, in this passage that he is hungry and the enemy comes to him. I don't know about you, but I know that I'm particularly vulnerable when I'm tired, when I'm weak, sick, and especially when I'm hungry or hangry, as some people put it. And so Jesus is here after 40 days and 40 nights without food. And the enemy comes. And then we have a face-to-face battle of two heavyweights in the spiritual realm. If you think about a battle in the spiritual realm, it almost doesn't get bigger than the Son of God versus Satan. Let me put it to you another way. It doesn't get bigger than the truth, who is God's living word versus the flesh, which is the fallen nature of man. And so as we enter into these last seven days, I wanna share a message with you that I've simply called the enemy, Christ defeated. Do you know, we don't often like to talk about the enemy and we certainly shouldn't focus on him because he's not worth the attention all the time. But I think it's important for us when we're going through trials to kind of see and know and understand how he works and that he is there. And so our first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is that the enemy fights. The enemy fights. So our enemy fights against God. He fights against God's kingdom. He fights against God's people because of who we are. And the good news is, or the great news, is that God's on our side if we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now Ephesians 6 verse 12 It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, this verse reminds us that our our battle is not against people. Our battle is not against, um, you know, government colleagues, our battle's not against family members, but our battle is against the evil that is at work on this earth to destroy your relationships with people, to destroy your relationship with God, and to destroy mankind, because God loves them all and because God created them. You know, one of the reasons prayer is so important to us um, here is because prayer is our way, and it's the only way 
that in our earthly humanness, it's the only way that we have of impacting the spiritual realm for the kingdom of God. It's our way of calling God to move powerfully on our behalf for our family, for our friends, for our church, for our community, for our nation. And again, we don't have to look too hard to see that we need God to move in our nation. We need God to move powerfully over suicide in our community. We need God to move powerfully over broken families in our communities. And prayer is our way of accessing that power through the Holy Spirit. You know, right from the beginning with Adam and Eve, uh, we see the devil as our enemy, working to draw Adam and Eve away from God. You know, he, he kind of comes down and he's working to, to get them to doubt God, to question what God says, uh, to question uh, God's instructions, and he, he ultimately entices them into disobeying God. In Matthew 4, when we see Jesus go into uh, the desert to, to pray and to fast, the enemy comes to Jesus when he's hungry, and he tries to tempt Jesus into sin in a similar way by enticing him to perform a miracle before it was his time. By trying to be the one who led him. And you know, church, he still works the same way today against God's kingdom. You know, in the modern day context, the enemy is working overtime, causing men and women who are created in God's image, who are created by God for a purpose, to doubt and to question God's very existence. He is working to get people to, uh, to doubt the word of God and the truth of God. Even having people turn on those who openly declare God's word. You know, as Christians, the enemy may have us question God's power in our own life. He may have us question whether God's even real. Or does God even move? He has us doubting who our God is. And in the story of Jesus, when he's being tempted, in Matthew 4, we see Jesus respond to the devil with the word of God, with God's truth. Now, there's a lesson just in that for all of us this morning. And so when you feel like people around you for some unknown reason, uh, unknown to you, are just against you, when you feel uh, that the enemy has just got a whole lot of stuff, pressure, trouble, uh, temptation stacked up against you, stacked up for your week, 
And I pray to God to shift something in the spiritual. You know, that Ephesians verse is telling us that the battle is first done in the spiritual long before we go to war in the natural. So pray to God to shift things in the spiritual realm. And remember these truths from God's word. John 1 verse 12 says, if we receive him and believe in his name, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. Genesis 1 verse 27, you're created in the image of God. Ephesians 2 verse 10, you are God's masterpiece. Some translations say that you are God's handiwork. I love that because it has this picture of God knitting us together by his very hands, created for his good works. And then in Psalm 18 verse two, We read, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. That's our God. Remember these truths uh, when the enemy comes to fight against you. Secondly, this morning, the enemy deceives. The enemy is a liar. Now, in the book of John in chapter 8, uh, Jesus is having a verbal exchange with uh, some of the Jewish leaders there, and, and their claim is that they're Christians, and that their children, uh, their claim is that they're children of God, but they won't follow Jesus they won't accept his authority, and uh, they won't accept Jesus' teaching. In fact, Jesus says in verse uh, 37 of chapter 8, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. And so we see Jesus exposing uh, these guys who have been deceived and blinded uh, to the truth of who Jesus is. And in verse 44, Jesus speaks of who they belong to, and he speaks and addresses the character and the nature of our enemy. And Jesus says this. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy is a deceiver and the father of lies. You know, I've known people who have built their entire lives and their entire identities around the lies, the lies that they've become to believe, that they've come to believe about themselves. And uh, there's a lot of them out there, um, but here's one that is probably one of the most common 
lies in society today. It's the lie that says, I am worthless. Tied to that lie, which unfortunately so much of our youth come to believe in their own life. Tied to that lie is a sense of identity. The identity says, I'm nobody. Tied to that lie is a sense of value, a value that says, I'm nothing. Tied to that lie is a sense of purpose, which says that I'm going nowhere. And tied to that lie is a sense of belonging, which says no one wants me and no one will miss me. And it's a lie from the devil and there's no truth to it. And there is no truth to any lie that is like it. You know, I think sometimes it's on us who know the truth about God's creation to step in when we come across people who are starting to believe that lie about themselves. Now we need to be aware uh, that the enemy is at work trying to steal, kill, and destroy the fruitful life that Jesus died to give us. The life, that Je- the life that Jesus gave himself up on the cross for us to have. In 1 Peter, verse five, in 1 Peter chapter five, verses eight to nine, It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Seeking to kill, to steal, and to destroy, to devour. The enemy's a liar. Christ is the truth. The enemy is nothing. God is everything. And God loves you. That's the truth. And then finally this morning, the enemies defeated. Who can give an amen for that? Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, the devil has been defeated. Our enemy is the loser. Yeah, nada. He's not bottom at bottom. So what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? That means that he can no longer control us unless we let him. Get this, he can no longer control us unless we let him. It means that we have access to the weapons of faith 
God's truth. Jesus, who was the living word, who was truth in the flesh. God's word that is uh, with us, the Bible. We have uh, these weapons of faith to fight him with. The same weapon that Jesus used in the desert. The same weapon that Jesus drew on when he was being tempted. Maybe we just need to use it a little bit more often and maybe sharpen ourselves in it a little bit more. But the fact that the enemy's been defeated by Jesus means that we have the Holy Spirit who is more powerful than our enemy. It means that he that is within us is greater than he that is in this world. And it means that we can stand firm in our faith and trust God to come through for us. Stand firm in our faith and trust God to come through for us. You know, in Luke 10, we read the story of Jesus sending out uh, 70 disciples, 70 messengers to go into the towns and to heal the sick and to spread the good news of God's kingdom. And when they returned to Jesus, they said to him, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Oh, what a powerful name that is. Jesus. And Jesus responds to them saying in Luke 10 verse 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Those were Jesus' words to those men who he had called and sent to heal the sick and to spread the message of the kingdom. And I believe this morning that that is a word for every disciple of Jesus who was called to go and preach the gospel of the good news, to go and make disciples and to go baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Authority to trample serpents, scorpions, and over the power of the enemy. Not by our own strength, not by anything that we have to offer, but by the grace and the mercy of God who works through us as we walk obediently in his ways. Our enemy's no match for Jesus. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're told in James 4 verse 7. Resist him. With what? Resist him with the word of God. Righteousness. The gospel of peace. Resist him with the shield of faith. With salvation. Resist the devil and he will flee. From who? Not from everyone else. Not just flee from the pastors. He'll flee from you. 
are in Christ Jesus. You know, God's desire is an ongoing relationship with us. An ongoing, growing relationship with us. A relationship where we're able to seek after Him, speak to Him. We're able to come with Him in prayer with requests. And a relationship where we are still and we just listen to what He has to say. You know, in prayer we pray, we, we invite God to engage in our lives and to move powerfully through the Holy Spirit. Through prayer, we enter into communication and into communion with God on a personal level and on a corporate level. We come to Him and we give thanks and praise. We come in prayer and we glorify His name. We come in prayer and we show Him we trust Him, we have faith in Him, that we look to Him, that no matter what's going through, that we trust that He is our fortress, that He is our strength. And in prayer, we invite Him to come and invade our lives. Those who are handing out communion can come and do that now. You know, in prayer, we invite him to lead us. You know, I'm constantly needing the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In prayer, we're inviting him to bring breakthrough. I'm always keen for breakthrough in my life. In prayer, we're asking him to intervene in our circumstances. And when the intervention in our circumstances are that we have to change our mindsets, our attitudes, what we think, then in prayer, we come and listen to his instructions. In prayer, we invite him to speak. And in prayer, we make him a part of our everyday lives. Amen.